Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin.
I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, and the title of the, of the message today is a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Matthew chapter 24. And uh, you don't have to live long to, to learn that there are all kinds of things to get ready for. <laughs> you know, when you're a little kid, you've got to get ready to go to school. And even when you get older, you've got to get ready to go to school. Are you ready for dinner? You know, and uh, ready for work, etc., etc. Ready for the doctor's appointment. Ready for church. How about that? But of course, we're looking today at a passage here in the Gospel of Matthew with respect to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Are you ready? We're going to begin reading over in chapter 24 at uh, verse uh, 44. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But... That evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. But the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. 
Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray, please. Our Father and God, as we study your holy word, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will teach us and illuminate our understanding. Help us, O oh Father, to understand that we bear responsibility for the choices that we make in life and for the way that we live our lives. We bear responsibility whether we believe or do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so today, Father, as we study your word, we pray, speak to our hearts. May we be honest and true with you and with ourselves. Bless us now, O Lord, from your holy word to the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus and to the benefit of the people. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the question is, are you ready? Now this word that uh, the Lord uses here when he speaks to the people and he says, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That word ready, ready, actually comes from a Greek word which means to watch or to be alert. And it's not the idea of looking but rather to be awake, sober-minded, illuminated, and prepared. The idea of being ready. Ready. And so the question, how do you know if you are ready for both the present and the future? Because Jesus Christ is returning. 
And so this is a question that we must both ask and answer personally, individually. Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? And if so, do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? We will all die unless we are here when the Lord returns. Amen? Now, just in case you're confused about that, because there are some folks who teach or say that no one can actually know that they're going to heaven, I want you to turn to the first epistle of John. The first epistle of John. So close to the book of Revelation, if you will, and chapter 5. The first epistle of John, chapter 5, and verse 13. <coughs> Notice what it says. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are prepared for what is coming. But if you are unsure that you are truly saved today, give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to ensure that you are in fact ready. Jesus says to be ready, to be alert. To be awake, to be sober-minded, that is to be in control of your faculties and confident in the fact that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that you will never be lost because God has given to us eternal life. And there are those who, who teach that you can lose your salvation. No, the Bible does not teach that. That is a contradictory statement. How can something be eternal, and then at the same time be temporal. No, it is not temporary. God gives to us eternal life. Jesus says that you must receive him. If you do not receive him, you are lost. And over in the third chapter in the book of John, the Gospel of John, because there are those who, who confuse that as well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life, not temporary life. And you notice it doesn't say that whosoever believeth in him and keeps all of the commandments, never does anything wrong, never makes a mistake, never fails, never sins. Does it say that? No, it does not say that. 
The reason Jesus went to the cross is because we're all sinners. But the question is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And then, what does your life say about your Christianity, your brand of Christianity? You see, there is a biblical brand of Christianity, and then there's a worldly brand which is a wicked brand, which really is not Christianity. One that conforms to the standards of the world. One that conforms to what is popular, to what sounds good, or appears to make sense. You know, when the Lord spoke to Joshua, and uh, directed Joshua that, that he and the people were to march around the walls of Jericho. <laughs> and that this was the way that, that Jericho was going to be conquered. It probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to a lot of folks other than the fact that the Bible teaches that we are to place our faith in God. And we are to be obedient to his word. To be obedient to his and you know the story. They marched around uh, the walls of Jericho for six days, and on the seventh day, they marched seven times. They blew the trumpets and they shouted, and whatever. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down, and they went in and conquered the city, just as the Lord said. You see, this book here really is a library of books, 66 of them. God's holy word. And without Christ in a person's life, they are lost. And the Bible teaches that the wrath of God hovers over their lives. What does your life say about your brand of Christianity? Do you give witness to the, to the way that you live? Do the witness to the, to the glory and the honor the love and the compassion and the mercy and the goodness and the cleanness, the purity of God? And then, see, are you actively engaged in spiritual growth? That is, ongoing discipleship. We are to be growing, growing and growing. You've heard the, the story about the little boy who, uh, in school, after he took the test, he, he raised his hand and, and the teacher said, yes, Johnny? And he said, no, Mrs. Anderson, I just don't understand. She said, well, what is it that, that you don't understand, Johnny? He said, well, every time I study, you give us an easy task. But every time I don't study, you give us a hard task. <laughs> And you get the point, right? God's children are supposed to be studying, preparing. We're to be prepared. So let me give you a few practical, practical steps. And you've heard these many times. The first of which is you must accept Jesus as your Savior. Truly give your heart to him. 
devote your life to him. And to do so, you have to pray. Prayer. You will never grow like you're supposed to grow unless you are a child of God who prays. Prayer. And then, Bible reading. You must both read your Bible as well as study your Bible. Now, there are all these different uh, charts and, you know, programs for reading the Bible through in a year. And usually if you read about three to four chapters a day, you'll read through the Bible in a year. But I want to encourage you to read a chapter. It might take you three years to read through the Bible. But I would encourage you to read one chapter, and then after reading that chapter, to study that chapter. You follow? Because it's one thing to just read, it's another to read and study. See, now in the morning you can read three chapters. And then in the evening you can read a chapter and study. And then at the end of three years, you'll know what every book in the Bible is about. You'll know your Bible. Bible study. You should be involved in actual Bible study, privately at home, but also corporately. We, we call this our corporate worship service. And we have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 9.30. You should be involved in corporate Bible study. And then corporate worship. But you should also have private worship and devotion. Every day. Every day. And all throughout the day. Amen? And then Hebrews. Over in the book of Hebrews, it, it teaches, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. There are people who like to say, well, I, you know, I don't have to really go to church. I don't, you know, going to church doesn't, doesn't save you. The Bible says it was Jesus' custom to be in the synagogue on every Lord's day. And if he felt the need and the priority of his life was to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, then how much more do we need to be in the Lord's house together, worshiping the Lord and studying his word? Devotion, corporate worship, service. Here's one, service. Service in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, in God's mission. Serving on a committee. Whether that be the, the missions committee or the budget committee, the visitation committee, the evangelism committee, all the various committees. Everyone who is a Christian and a member of a Christian church ought to be serving on at least one, if not more, committees within the church, in the ministries of, of the church. And then what about stewardship? You'll never grow as a Christian if you are not a faithful steward. The Lord says, all the cattle of a thousand hills are mine. Everything belongs to God. And we are but stewards. 
And you'll never grow as a Christian unless you are willing to be a faithful steward of that which God has given to you. And then witnessing. We are to be witnesses. I said that a little earlier about your particular brand of Christianity. If you're too scared to share the message of Christ, then you need to be on your knees in prayer. Because the Bible teaches he's not given us the spirit of fear or of timidity. No, but of a sound mind and of confidence. Confidence in God, in Christ. And he's given us the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells within us and enables us to speak the truth and to share with other people that God loves them. That's one of the best ways to begin a conversation. When you're talking with a person, say, you know, God loves you. God loves you. And people actually love to hear that. They love to hear that God loves them. It's when you start talking about making a commitment that, you know, the, 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 the tension begins to, to increase. And then when you mention Jesus Christ, then, it, then, of course, they know exactly what you're talking about. But to know that God loves them opens the door. But you're to witness. And then you're to be involved in ministry. Over in the book of Ephesians, the, the pastor's responsibility, the pastor's responsibility is to teach the people and to equip them for the work of the ministry. But too many people in the churches, they say, no, that's what we pay you for. You're supposed to be doing all of that. <laughs> right? No. The pastor's responsibility is to teach and to equip the people for the work of the ministry. Because we are all together ministers of the Lord. We are all servants together. We're to be awakened to the reality and to the importance of the things of God. Moving on. We're going to run out of time here. Secondly, warning. 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 Don't become weary in your walk with the Lord Jesus. It's not over until it's over. Right? As long as we are alive, as long as we're able to breathe, as long as we're able to speak, we are to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now notice in these passages that we read, there's a, a reward for the faithful. You see, when Jesus comes and he establishes his millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ here upon the earth, he will rule from his throne in Israel, there in Jerusalem. And we've said this many times. When he returns, he's not going to set up shop in Washington, D.C. No, his throne is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital of the earth. It is the capital city of God's kingdom, Jerusalem. In the land of Israel. You'll recall that Israel was the name given by God to Jacob. 
And Jacob then had his 12 sons, and so we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Bible teaches, and we've been studying this in Sunday school, that although God disciplined Israel, he also promised that he would bring them back, and they are there now, are they not? There's a reward for the faithful. During the millennial kingdom, guess what? We get to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ as his servants. Our job, our responsibility, our privilege in serving him will be to serve wherever we're positioned during that millennial period. Somewhere upon the earth, he will have us in a position of responsibility because there will be people from the tribulation time who live through that period of time and into the millennium. And then remember that there are going to be humans living within this thousand year period and so they're going to be having kids and they're going to have a whole lot of kids because I don't believe there's going to be birth control and certainly no abortion because Jesus will be the world ruler. Remember that he is both priest, prophet, or third, I should say, and king. You see, oftentimes we, we look at Jesus' uh, reign from a religious perspective, if you will. But he is not only the priest and the prophet, but he is also the king, and he will establish his government. The Bible teaches, and of his government, Right? There will be no end. The Bible teaches that all nations will come up every year to worship him there in Jerusalem. And we are going to serve together with him. That's a part of the reward that we receive. But notice, for the wicked, judgment awaits the wicked. Now to be sure, salvation is by God's grace and by God's grace alone. Over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ah, but what does verse 10 say? Verse 10 goes on to say that we are to be involved in the good works that God has foreordained for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then over in James, he says, I will show you my faith by my works. Or in other words, Christians are supposed to be actively engaged in the ministry. Let's move on to point three. Readiness is a personal responsibility. Now this picture that Jesus paints about this, this wedding. And you have to understand something about the culture back in those days the bride would be getting prepared there at home and she would have her bridesmaids. That's who these, these ten virgins are. But then when the bridegroom would come, then this procession would take place and they would go to the bridegroom's home where then the wedding and the feast, etc. would occur. And there are both some prophetic things in here and some practical applications. We're going to look at the, the practical application and that is being prepared. You notice there were ten of these young ladies. Five of them were wise or prudent. The word's actually prudent. True disciples who know the Lord. 
in the scripture, oil is, a, is used symbolically of God the Holy Spirit. They knew the Lord. You follow? In every church, there are, there are believers, there are genuine believers, and then there are pretend believers. False disciples. These foolish ones were false disciples who did not know the Lord. They were lacking. What was it that they were lacking? They were lacking true salvation. And because of that, they were also lacking God the Holy Spirit. Because the only way that God the Holy Spirit will come into a person's life is if they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You must admit that you are lost and you are a sinner and you need Christ to save you. You must acknowledge that he died upon that cross shedding his blood for your sins. That he was buried. That on the third day he arose from the dead. That he is the living Lord. And that he ascended back to the Father where he sits at the right hand of the Father in glory and majesty. And one day he is returning. He is returning. And that you entrust your life to him. Confessing that you're a sinner and cannot save yourself. Then, by God's grace, God the Holy Spirit comes into the person's life and transforms that life. Preparation, personal choices and consequences. Mm. Only you can determine whether or not you're ready, that you're prepared. Now notice, the call went forth, the bridegroom arrived, but it was late. Notice it was at midnight. At a time when they didn't expect, they had all fallen asleep. They had all fallen asleep. But then, the call came. Five were ready. Five weren't. Symbolic of the wedding feast of the bride, the church, and the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, and this wedding feast. And notice, they came to the Lord. They knocked on the door to get in. And sadly, sadly, I do not know it. Turn to Matthew chapter uh, 7, quickly there. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21, beginning at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? You know, a lot of these guys on TV, oh my. You listen to some of them, some of the things that they say, and in many of the churches across our country and around the world, oh my goodness. 
I shared on Wednesday uh, at our deacons meeting, Brother Jerry showed us a clip uh, that was recorded in a particular church. They called themselves a church. And uh, this uh, female lady who was impersonating a pastor said, now we're going to recite the Sparkle Creed. They had, they had reworded the Disciples' Creed, which is a very biblical um, you know, paragraph of, of, of phrases. And then she, she went on to say, and we're going to affirm our non-binary God and Jesus, our Lord, who had two dads. And she went on and on and on. Right? But she's not reading the same Bible that I read. And she'll be held accountable for that. She will be held accountable for that. But notice what it says here. We did all this in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God knows those who are his and those who are not. And let me make that distinction very clear, because you hear this over and over and over again. Oh, we're all God's children. No, that is not correct. Everything in existence belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. God is the creator, yes. But he makes a distinction between those who are actually in his family and those who are not. Jesus put it this way. If you knew my father, you would know me. But because you don't know my father, right? You don't accept me, and you, you choose, you want to kill me. Because you are of your father, the devil. Oh, people are so amazed when they read that because they've not read the Bible, they've not studied. And they read that, and it's shocking. Only those who know Christ as Savior are in God's family. And he has no grandchildren. Or because I belong to this particular group of people, or because my grandmother was this, or, or my grandfather or my father was this and that. No, you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior personally. So let's move back here to this message and we'll bring it to an end. What do we learn from these passages? Well, the talents of money that were given to these three men were opportunities. Opportunities to demonstrate their faithfulness and commitment and responsibility to the Lord. When he came, notice that the one with five and the one with two, were, they were rewarded for their faithfulness. But the one lazy one was considered wicked, and he lost out on reward. What do we learn? Jesus is returning. Make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ will return. We don't know when, other than 
in the future, but he will return. And when he returns, he'll establish his millennial kingdom. And you can read about that over in the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and 20, where we, it says, will reign together with him for a thousand years. That's where he will reward us. We're going to receive rewards for the work and the service that we have performed. Preparation now results in reward in the millennial kingdom and eternity. Many are currently and will be lost. Sadly, tragically. So here's the question. Are you ready? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation, Jesus I come. It's the Lord's invitation to you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If not, come to him today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I recall many years ago I was preaching a message and I, I said that. And uh, no sooner that we got home on the news, there was a story about a guy who had been riding a motorcycle down Craig Road. And it was long ago before they, before they you know, uh, updated the roads and widened it, et cetera. It used to be 45. There, there weren't even stop signs. You could just drive through that thing. And there were all kinds of potholes, et cetera. But this guy was riding his motorcycle. And I guess he tried to pass someone in a head-on collision. He was only in his 20s. Life stumped out like that. Let's sing. Let's stand, please. You make your commitment to the Lord. You come to Jesus as we sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.